Welcome to the Tips and Salsa podcast, your local source for chips, salsa, and instructional technology happenings within the Redlands Unified School District. And here are your hosts, Jamie Quartz, Nicole House, Caleb Rothy, and Jen Vadney. Hello, Redlands teachers and staff, and welcome to another episode of Tips and Salsa. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined, as always, by our amazing tech coaches, Nicole. Hello. Caleb. Hey. And Jen. Hello. So this is a particularly special episode to kick off our new year, Ooh. as this guest is not only the Redlands Unified School District board president, he's also an old colleague and friend of mine. Aww. So Jim O'Neill, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, yes. welcome. 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 Yeah. yeah. Glad you're here. Glad you emphasized the word old. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, Jim, did, did I hear that you rode your moped here from home? Or? No, it's not a yeah. moped. It's an e-bike. <laughs> oh, an e-bike. Oh, okay. Very oh, cool. Totally nice. different. Totally so it different. changed uh, my life completely. I can ride a bike without breaking a sweat now. So it's yeah. cool. High tech, too. How appropriate for this podcast. Exactly. exactly. Yes, indeed. So, uh, as we always do before we get into the formal part of the uh, the podcast, we always like to do these recordings with a side of chips and salsa. So, we're enjoying a little bit of that right now. You can probably hear the crunching mm -hmm. in the background. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, but for today, I brought in some fresh homemade salsa, uh, mostly with ingredients from our garden at home. So, everybody, what does everybody think of the salsa today? Well done. So good. This may be your best. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I will admit, last night when you sent the picture... I was a little disappointed because I was expecting the green salsa that mm. you made. Uh, and I was like, oh, I was been dreaming yeah. about that for days. <laughs> okay. But this is fabulous. All right. Salsa Verde next time. This time we've got, got a little it. bit, a little bit it of It is salsa. very good. I, I don't want to offend you, but I'm going to wait a little while because usually, are there peppers or anything uh, spicy in it? A little bit. It's, it's very light because we've got a couple of uh, podcast regulars that prefer <laughs> a very mild salsa. Okay. So we that's didn't. okay. That well, <clears throat> I developed allergies to peppers uh, oh, late in life. Oh. And so uh, I'm going to wait a little bit because I love salsa, but so I'm able to talk, you know, I'll, yes, I'll talk first and then towards the end in case I happen to pass out or have oh to my gosh. an EpiPen oh shot my or something. Gosh. Okay. We will, uh, we'll get some EMTs <laughs> on site right now, just in case we need services later on. Right. And right. then uh, the chips today, these are uh, like restaurant style, fresh chips from Stater Brothers. Yep. Uh, good choice. Always great. a fave. Yeah. Nice very good. Today. Very good. All righty. Well, should we get this kicked off and I, started? With I think so. I can't wait to hear from you. I know. Oh. I know. Oh. We are excited that you are here, Mr. O'Neill. Um, you know, you are known all over this district, as well as a few other districts, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but so we're going to just kind of, like I said, have a nice conversation and just make it casual and, and see how things go today. So um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a few thoughts with us, we're going to start off with a brief overview of... Your time here in Redlands. All right. Well, uh, Redlands, I came to Redlands in 1999 uh, as a principal. I was a principal at Mentone. Okay. And then, oh, excuse me. I, that isn't correct. I actually started at Lagonia. <gasps> oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I, it's interesting. A little side note. So uh, Bob Hodges was the superintendent at that time. And when I interviewed, I interviewed very first in the morning. It was mm, like 8 right. o'clock, which, you know, that's a difficult interview time because you tend to be forgotten by the time the 2 o'clock interview right, is going right. on. So I decided to bring a two-pound box of seized candy. 
And I presented that to the interview <laughs> panel. And I, food always and, works. And I said, um, you know, when you have when you need that sugar rush about two or three o'clock, I'm hoping you remember that I was the one that. Oh my it. gosh, that's brilliant! That's well, you nice. know what? Yep. It worked, right? Uh, exactly. So Bob Hodges called me in, and he said, "You know, we have two openings. We have an opening at Mentone Elementary School, and we have an opening at Lagoni Elementary mm. School." And uh, I'm going to give you the option. What would you like? Oh. Lagonia is a year-round school. Mentone is a traditional year school. Oh, okay. I didn't realize So that. I was coming from a year-round school. I had a lot of experience with year, the uh, year-round calendar. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know which school from what. And so I said, yeah, Lagonia sounds good to me. It'll be an easy transition for me. Yes, yes. And boy, was it the right choice for me. I loved starting uh, in Redlands at Lagonia. It's a great school. I had a great staff there, and we just uh, we rocked. So. so, were you only at Lagonia? <clears throat> then, about four and a half years later, um, opportunity came up. They said we, we need you to go to Mentone. Oh, okay. That and, was when you headed over there. Yes, and then I was there for like four or five years, and then uh, had something come up at Bryn Mawr. Needed to make a mid-year change. Oh, and the superintendent said. Uh, I need you to go to Bryn Mawr. And of course, you know, as a principal, when the superintendent says, I need you to do this, it's like the best idea ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, <you> go. <laughs> I love it. I was hoping you would say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yes. Yes. So I uh, was out there um, for about five or six years, five years, I think, and then retired from the district in 2013. Okay, very nice. Jim's very one nice. of those people where you can't go anywhere in town without somebody knowing Mr. O'Neill. Mr. Absolutely. O'Neil. I agree. I agree. It's the well, greatest feeling ever yeah. to run into Good. former students, former staff, you know, and make those reconnections, if you will. Yeah, I it, agree. It, it's really a good thing. I agree. I like living where I work um, and having that connection. You know, it's I'm I like running into people random places, so <laughs> it well, is fun. You know what's fun is running into parents or, or whoever you run into mm-hmm. is say, oh, Jim O'Neill, you know what? I know you. And then there's always that fear of well, what are you yeah. know me for? <laughs> what have you heard? Yeah. What? yeah. There's a few uh, Mr. O'Neill stories, but that should be a different podcast. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for that later. It's a different edition. Of <laughs> yeah, a different edition. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it is time for the Tips and Salsa History Lesson. Mr. Wow. O'Neill, <laughs> what was exciting and new um, regarding technology when you were a state principal? Well, that's a great question, and obviously that's the main reason I'm here is when Jamie said, you know, old, use the word old, <laughs> then that qualifies me as being able to give a historical perspective, correct? <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to go back to when I first started in college. So I went to the University of Redlands, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working part-time for the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, and and I uh, was working in the, yeah, uh, you're looking surprised. I, I don't well, want to so, interrupt, but. Yeah, <laughs> my husband works for the Forest Service. Oh, there you go. And, okay, I'm making some connections here because I know you've got some connection with Chrissy Kogar. Yes. And her dad. Yes, exactly. Is that the, the yeah, Forest Service that, connection? That, okay, that all right. Yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm with you now. So, um, well, let me, let me just go back. So the U of R, I was interested in teaching. I was interested in education. Uh, but I was also interested in the technology 
arm of that. And I saw some of the technology trying to be used at the U.S. Forest Service, although it was, you know, old. And so I decided to take some computer programming mm. at the U of R, okay. along with my other classes. Awesome. Well, at that time, to do programming, you had punch cards. <laughs> so does everybody here know what a punch card is? Yes, yes. yes. You do? <laughs> yes. I don't know if I do. Like, I know a punch time card, but not necessarily card, yeah. with computer programming. Well, you, you obviously are writing a form of a code to instruct the computer to do something, all right? And you have to imagine that there were no independent computers. They were terminals, and the terminals were tied to a mainframe, okay? A mainframe was a... Big, big, big box. I think I saw that in a museum somewhere. Yeah, you probably <laughs> did. You're punching in zero, yeah. zeros and ones? <laughs> uh, Is it like a zero one type Yes. Uh, well, okay. lots of things like that. So it was, uh, it was the beginnings of the computer language coding, things like that. And they had like uh, other languages that were different than they are now, of course. Mm -hmm. But you would type this. Uh, I'll use the word code because everybody knows what that is. You would type the code in, the instruction, line by line, yep. and the card, it would. you'd feed this card puncher, and it would literally punch the code in zeros and ones on this card. That's incredible. So yep. if you had uh, 100 lines of code, oh my gosh. you would have 100 ca cards, a stack of cards. And then you would... <laughs> Put the card. Jen's mind is blown right now. Jen does a little yeah. bit of coding with some app script stuff, okay. but it's all in a text editor. All right. And so right now her brain is exploding at this idea of physical right. cards to represent the lines of codes. Yeah. Hey, you getting the history lesson you wanted? Yes. <laughs> There's but history. You would run around with these cards with a you know, rubber band around them, so they would. You had to keep the order. Right, they had or, to be in order. Or, or, the, program, right, or the program would <laughs> crash. You know, <laughs> so uh, that's how we would program. And you'd go to a card reader and put it in. And it would make the computer do what you had instructed it to do. Um, Crazy. Whether it be graphics or, or whatever, mm -hmm. and they were very simple graphics. My kind of graphics, because uh, I never was very artistic, but I was really good with making stick people. You know. <laughs> Sure. Straight lines. Yeah. Solid rectangles. Straight, <laughs> straight lines and circles. Rectangles. Pong. Right? <laughs> Atari. There. Exactly. <laughs> See, you do know some history. I do. Okay. Can you imagine how many cards it would take <laughs> to run that game? Right. A lot. Mm, yeah. It was a lot. But anyway, it sparked my interest. Mm. And... Um, so in the Forest Service, uh, again, we were doing a lot of that, but there was a lot of opportunity to do searches and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I worked in the dispatch office and became oh, okay. sort of the computer person for the dispatching yeah. office. And uh, if somebody uh, – every fire has a name. So yes. if you've got a person out there in the field and they're talking to the dispatcher, uh, we're going to name this fire uh, Keller Peak. Mm -hmm. So the names have to be unique. So we would have. So I developed a program where you would type oh. in Keller P. Oh, it would search Make sure it and find out that used. that's a unique name for this year. So. Awesome! I love this. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, now you know, like right, right, right. Take, take the phone much faster, but Absolutely. yes, right. but yeah, that was a great way to keep track of all of that. So <laughs> that was the beginning of my interest, and uh, it's a, it was a nerdy thing to do in those days. <laughs> yeah, computer yeah. classes were very small, <laughs> <laughs> and. 
and li- usually were very lonely on Fridays and Saturday nights. You were programming, right? <laughs> you and your stack of cards. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So then you became a principal and continued to put out fires, right? Uh, right. Uh, yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, interestingly, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll start with my teaching career first. So in, mm. in Ukaipa, I, I got a teaching oh. job in Ukaipa. Okay. Um, and then uh, throughout the the time in my time in Ukaipa, <clears throat> it was interesting. I literally witnessed the dawn of computers in education. Mm. <clears throat> so. I, I can tell you that when I got there, started teaching in the 70s, there were things like film strip projectors. Mm. Anybody here know what a film strip projector uh-huh. is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Opaque projectors. <laughs> there was one in the whole school. <clears throat> so if I wanted to like read a book and share the book with the kids, there was this huge projector. Uh, it, would, it would fit on this table, but it'd go all the way to the end. Wow. And it had a big old lens. Probably eight inches across. And a huge bright light inside. And a a series of magnifying glasses and different things. You'd put the book down inside and close the lid on it. And it would project that on the screen, on a a movie screen. However, you had to have all the lights off, had to have the curtains closed, and you could barely see it. Right, right. Because the... (laughs) The, the, the lights just weren't powerful enough. Yeah. You know? But it was probably the neatest thing for the kids. Oh, yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pictures, but, but it had to be, yeah. But it had to be flat. Yeah. You couldn't show anything that was 3D or anything like that. It had to be a flat page, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And now we have dock cameras. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even talking about what you have now. It's <laughs> Holograms. Um, yes. <laughs> so um, I was so interested in, I, I got my master's. My first master's was in educational technology. Yay! And this is in the early 80s, okay? And there was no degree available that said educational oh. technology. So I had to petition right, right. the regents to say, here's what I'd like to do. And so it got approved. It was the first one in the state of California. Educational technology. That's cool. It was Who pretty knew? cool. That is crazy. Yeah. Right? And awesome. they also made me take 30 units of marketing because no one was really going to be able to do anything with just a master's <laughs> right. in educational technology. You're going to have to sell the idea <laughs> to people and work for a company. They felt a little so, bad for you. Oh, it was pretty, <laughs> little did we, they know. we got to give this guy <laughs> right. some useful right. skills. Yeah, yeah. We're not sure this is going anywhere. <laughs> it's true. And, and the thing that was interesting about it is the technology that was available at that time, the big thing was uh, multimedia. And multimedia at that time was two 35-millimeter carousel slide projectors. <laughs> Everybody here know what a carousel yes. slide oh, projector I, is? I taught History Alive with <laughs> carousel slide projectors. Okay. Yeah. And a dissolve unit that would plug into both of these projectors so that when you – it would what it would do basically is control this – Machine with, oh, the, transition. with the transition, and then oh. and then you'd have sort of a a dissolve, yeah, and it would fade to the <laughs> one on the other side. It was fantastic, <laughs> like start a PowerPoint, yeah, right. yeah exactly. input switcher, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there were no personal computers, okay, so there's right. no PowerPoint or anything else, right? Uh, video cassette players were just coming out, 
And I remember at Yukaipa, we had one TV and one video cassette player oh on a big goodness. cart. And you would sign up for it, and it would be delivered to you. And that's yep. how you used uh, instructional mm -hmm. television. Mm -hmm. And we had single-function copiers, which was a big deal. Most of the papers that were run off were still what they called mimeographs. Mm -hmm. Yep, I yep. remember those. Which first was, year teaching. Yeah, and you just hoped that uh, as, a, as a kid that it was a fresh copy so yep. you could put it to your nose <laughs> and inhale that chemical. Yeah, you want the one off the top of the stack. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you wanted that one. Oh, boy. So that's how things got started. And then, of course, if I can keep going. Sure. The 80s... As we progress, Steve Jobs really, I believe, launched the personal computer age. He donated an Apple computer to every school in California. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there wasn't much software with it. Uh, I think Oregon Trail. Uh, yep. <laughs> and, Three uh, cheers for Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> but my basic computer programming skills allowed me to create some things. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, although the computer was on a card again, and we only had one that we would have <laughs> oh to sign up gosh. for, and it would, you'd roll it into your classroom and use it for whatever, and you couldn't project it. It had this little green screen. Right, mm -hmm. right. not colored. So, um, Two shades of green. <laughs> I'll never forget the first, when that computer came, I was so excited. Um, we went into the principal's office, and this guy was a character. Oh, he was a character. And my co-teacher and myself, we went in. He had it all set up. I don't know how he set it up because he was very low-tech when it comes <laughs> to that kind of stuff. And so we're looking at it, and he said, you're not going to believe this. Watch this. So we're looking at the screen, and he reaches his hand around, and he starts tapping the top of the screen just in a <laughs> rhythmic tap. And suddenly, the screen begins to display Apple II Plus or whatever it said, you know, and, and it had an image on it. And I'm just looking at that perplexed. That's how you adjust the screen? You tap on the top of the monitor? Touch screen. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he just rolls back in his chair. What he was doing is he had his hand on the little uh, <laughs> dial in the back that controls the uh -huh. brightness of the screen. And while he's tapping this, he's rolling <laughs> That's <up>. awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Fonzie. I remember that to this day. It was absolutely fantastic. But anyway, that was an amazing um, delivery right. to, to receive right. at our schools. But of course, there was no training. There was no knowledge <laughs> about it. And so for years, it was just one computer. Um, but I, 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 I was able to do some things and, and get some programming going. Yeah. Uh, I started a weather station, a U.S. Oh. Forest Service weather station. Nice. I had a surplus supply. So I borrowed the government equipment and put it at our school. <laughs> borrowed. I borrowed it because uh, nobody was else was using exactly. it. Exactly. And I created a little database so that we Perfect. could track the weather oh, and yeah. put in the highs and the lows and things yeah. and analyze them. And it's a huge part of it. It was cool. Yeah. And the kids would do that. I yeah. have the kids. That so is great. At the end of the 80s, Ben Affleck uh, made an uh, instructional TV series. Yes, I know. He was just a boy, a young boy. But it was – I, I, I wrote a grant and got this curriculum, 
And it was a multidisciplinary curriculum that had software, had instructional video cassettes, it, and it had a had a book that went with it. It's called Voyage of the Mimi. Voyage of the Mimi. Anybody I'm ever have hear to that? Google this. No, but I'm googling it right <laughs> now. <laughs> right now, too. Nineteen eighty four. Nice. Featuring yep. Ben Affleck. Yes. What? Yeah. It was little Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the most innovative. Uh, things that sure. I had seen in education, and it kind of ushered in the dawn of instructional television. Hey, the TV can be used as an instructional tool. Right. They had small uh, little vignettes uh, starring Ben Affleck and a few other people, um, but it was about this uh, uh, boat based on uh, studying whales off the oh, East Coast. Oh, okay. But they did okay. everything with it. I mean, it, it had... You know, the science component. It had the language arts component. It had the historical component. It had this uh, biology component. I mean, it was amazing. And then they had this, uh, you know, a software that goes along with it. So as a result of that, um, no one else really was using the Apple computer. So it just stayed, stayed in your yeah, room. There you go. <laughs> if you need it, it's in my room. Right. They didn't know what they were doing with it anyways. And also, email became... Sort of the dawn of email became an oh. item. So that kind of helped put network uh, network teachers together, helped other people mm -hmm. who were, uh, you know, into the computers and education. Uh, and it was called Fred Mail. Fred? <laughs> now, uh, Jen, I'm going to, yeah, the guy who invented it or came up with the concept. <laughs> it was Fred. His name was Fred. Last name was Mail. I can't believe that didn't catch Fred on. <laughs> So I think All Fred mail yet the information. Yeah. So I think I think I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have another aha moment. That's our okay? new thing, Fred mail. Fred yeah, mail. Yeah. So the way this worked is people were getting modems now to right. connect with other computers. So we got a modem, and you would sign up. And the way Fred mail would work, let's say that we wanted to communicate with somebody in Texas. So the Fred Mail network, what would happen is it he updated lists of phone numbers of other computers that had mm, modems. modems. Mm. And it would call modem to modem to modem oh. to modem to modem and eventually end up at the site that had the oh. modem that you wanted the email to be received. <laughs> How long did so, it take to go through that series? That's an excellent question. <laughs> So sometimes it would take eight to ten to twelve hours, and it would it would wow. it would really mess wow. up if somebody you know you sign up and you become a member of the network, but if you left your computer off, it would stop, it would stop. the progress <laughs> until that computer was able to answer the oh, the, the no. modem calling it. And that's why we no longer have Fred Mail. Right, <laughs> right, right. But you have to realize that the internet at this time was really only for a post-secondary, a uh, higher ed um, venue. You know, the people didn't right. use it. It was an educational resource for researchers and for scientists. They shared information on the internet. It was not a general public access right. network. There was no worldwide web there component was no, of it yet. Absolutely not. There weren't even local area networks right. yet. It was a <laughs> modem that was going to call another modem somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All peer-to-peer. So Crazy. it was a different age, a completely right. different age. But it was exciting. You could, like, I remember using Fred Mail. We contacted a couple of schools in other parts of the country and became pen pals. 
So oh. we together would, you know, come up with a, a letter or something, mm-hmm. a, a word process it. I think it was Apple Works. I can't remember what what, <laughs> what finally came out, but anyway, uh, we, we would compose this letter and then we would send it to uh, a, a listed school that was sure. participating in the pen pal, and we would share what we're doing in Ukaipa yeah. or wherever we were, and then you know, three or four days later, we would get a reply. <laughs> wow, wow, that is cool. Still better than the U.S. It was very mail. cool, and it was very, you know. it was very exciting. You know what I was doing? It was shrinking the world. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is, you know, what we're seeing now. Yep. I knew we brought the right person in for today. I'm, I'm literally podcast. Just sitting back, listening, this eating some chips and salsa, listening to this. This is so awesome. Interesting. I, yeah. 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 Well, I probably can't remember everything because it's been a long time. Yeah. But I just, you it's, know, was thinking yeah. of a few things. So let me just finish up real quick. So the 90s. Can we yep. get to the 90s? Let's do it. I love the 90s. Oh, I do too. So uh, the Macintosh showed up. Power uh, Mac. Yeah. Mm. Power <laughs> Mac 5200. <laughs> So 550. Yeah. When the Macintosh, uh, you know, and the GUI interface. Uh huh. Remember? What? Oh, I haven't heard that in a long time. I, I just <laughs> learned of the GUI. Dave <laughs> speaking. So it changed everything. And also, interestingly enough, laser disc players uh, entered the scene, which kind of replaced the cassettes. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. You could go to a part of the tape, or excuse me, a part of the video that you're watching. It was very selective. Mm hmm. But it didn't last very long no. because CD-ROMs were right around the yeah. corner. Yep. You know, and uh, I remember going to a conference and guy holding up this little CD, you know, this compact disc, and said, "This can hold all of the volumes of an encyclopedia." <laughs> and everybody goes, "Wow! Can you imagine?" The power. You know, now, how many terabytes do I have in my thumb drive? Right. You know. Exactly. <laughs> But it was astounding, you know, at the time. It was pretty cool. And then local area networks and wide area networks now were becoming more prevalent. Um, so I think, Jamie, you asked me as, as a principal, when I, when I was principaling in San Bernardino, I had the opportunity, next to the superintendent, to remodel one school, Kimbark Elementary, mm-hmm. and open two new schools because of my background in technology. He wanted to make them, quote, unquote, high tech. <laughs> and uh, networking was a big thing. It. Sure. So, you know, we were able to put, run the Category 5 wiring and video and all the rest of that uh, in, the, in the 90s. Uh, the interesting thing on one of the new schools was North Verdemont and Palm. On uh, North Verdemont, the first one, the electricians themselves – we're a little confused about <laughs> wow. what to do with computer networking. Right. They hadn't gotten into the – so when, we, when I went in to, you know, test the system, well, it didn't work. Uh, the network was dead. What's the problem? So the electrician came out and he said, well, uh, all the wiring is in. You know, this, this wire goes to here, and then we spliced in here, and this wire went to here. We stopped right there. <laughs> Stop right You there. did what? <laughs> so you spliced wires? He said, yeah. So every port, computer port, had been spliced oh. like you would an electrical circuit. Sure. And one wire went to the main it's port, all on one and big loop. that was oh, it. Oh, <laughs> no. 
So all the wiring had to be redone. Yeah. And everybody, every wire, you know, gets its own wire mm -hmm. back to the switchboard, and then it goes out from there. But I just thought, hmm, to, to the industry, it just hadn't kept up with what was required right. for computer networking. So those mistakes are made, I'm sure. What did you do to get teachers and staff and employees that were up to date oh, with that stuff? Question. Did you have yeah. enough people to use that? I mean, so interestingly enough, I, I did have a little part of my career. I, um, I was a coordinator. Uh, didn't have the stature of Jamie Quartz as a director, <laughs> but I was a coordinator, which was a big deal. I was one of three coordinators of educational technology okay. district-wide okay. in the state. There were only there were only three of us oh my at the time that I got this job, so it was the beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So because of that beginning, what I what I saw was well, this innovation is coming. Uh, it's one more thing on a teacher's plate. Mm -hmm. Schools are starting to spend more money. The infrastructure is going in. Uh, we need to gear up training. Okay. So I, I worked with uh, one of the first things I did is I worked with Cal State. And back then, uh, teachers could get a certificate in computer oh. education. Okay. It was a coursework. Supplemental. Yeah, yeah, supplemental certificate. Hmm. So I worked with Cal State San Bernardino, and we offered those classes at each school site. Mm, okay. And then I trained a cadre of what I called liaisons. Mm-hmm. And these liaisons would come and receive training from my office. Then they would go out and do the training at their own school site. Oh, okay. We would have monthly meetings. I think I did that for a while. I worked at Cole Elementary. I did that. You're, you're I... one of my former liaisons? <laughs> Maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that, uh, that's how we okay. tried to get everybody up to speed in yeah. terms of using LaserDisc or CDs or, <laughs> right. you know, right. whatever it was. And, and so, you know, it was difficult for a lot of those teachers sure. because teachers towards the end of their career, they're still, you know, wondering why they have to go to a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because right. they have these, you know, hundreds of boxes of chalk. Yeah. Right. Right. That was a, an upgrade. Yeah. You know, the whiteboard, really, when you think back about that whiteboard and, uh, I mean, that has to be, do you know why it would be one of the most amazing um, inventions in our education system? Do you know why? No. No. Because it's remarkable. But <laughs> 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 um bum. Okay. Thank you. There is a there is a but um bum. Thank you. I'm glad you got it too. <laughs> it's it's weird because I'm sitting here reflecting on the fact that we have the person who received the first ed tech advanced degree in the state of California. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're an ed tech department. Yep. Yep. And that's that's like what we do. Mm -hmm. It's just it's mm -hmm. really yep. cool to yeah. be here listening and to I, you. And I'm actually alive to actually <laughs> still see that. It's like a wow. full circle moment. Yeah. That's fantastic. So so in your time, what what are some successes that you think that you've noticed in this profession in in, in this in clearly education? not the laser disc <laughs> yeah. uh, because of technology? Yeah, like what are some su successes? Well, uh, you mean throughout the history, going all the way no, no, back, just, or just, just more your, current? Just in your time as a as a principal, as a school administrator, or even things that you've seen recently. Well, I believe that one of the the things that that excites me is when teachers discover how that some of the technologies 
can enhance mm. their teaching and make it uh, more exciting, more interesting to motivate kids to want to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that we can have that can achieve those kinds of goals are certainly um, desirable. Yes, I yes. Say. Um, I, I also see teachers today compared to my time in schools is they are much more receptive to learning new things and trying new things. And, and I, I think that's exciting. It, it was difficult, um, you know, at the beginning of my career 40 years ago or whenever it was, it was at least that, uh, to see these things starting to come. And it, there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of, I'm doing okay the way I am. Uh, <laughs> my, my kids are learning. I don't need this new stuff. Um, and so I, I had to try to convince people to say, look, Yes, you are being successful. No one's going to take that away from you. But there are some new tools that will really enhance what you're doing and help you achieve and continue to achieve what it is that you want to do for students. And also you have to remember that these students are growing up with this stuff. You know, uh, it's like like, uh, changing bank accounts. You know, um, it's hard for people to change bank accounts. Even when the bank provides terrible service, you still stick with the yeah, bank. True. Um, but, you know, with the technology, uh, you begin to, if you just embrace it a little bit and say, you know, uh, I have an objective, an instructional objective, and I need to meet this objective. Uh, wow, this tool will help me achieve that objective faster better, more efficiently, but it's still going to be my objective. And as long as the technology does that, that's a win. I think the danger about all of that, if I can be serious for a moment, is the, the danger of just doing it for technology's sake is not a good mm-hmm. right. You know, this is really cool. Oh, wow, this is really innovative. This is exciting. This is fun. Oh, what's the instructional objective? What's the outcome? I think that's the important thing that has to be answered first. Yeah, you're talking our language. I think Absolutely. we've said that in multiple yeah. podcasts as well. I know. We agree 100%. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. And you know what? That technology will last too because we can't keep up with the technology. Um, that's that's for sure. So things change. We, we're going to pick a piece of technology to help us uh, deliver an objective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two years later, that technology has been either improved or replaced or Absolutely. whatever. Yep. But I was a, always an advocate for saying, you know, if an instructional objective is being met, given certain tools that you're using, that doesn't change that it's just because the new technology come out. If it continues to be something that will achieve the objective, you don't need to switch it out. It still works. Sure. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with your first statement the, with the word enhancement. I mean, it enhanced learning, enhanced engagement, yep. um, enhancing your ability to accomplish the objectives. So, and and not for, not just for the sake of a bell and whistle, but if if it's actually enhancing your ability to do these things, then right. it's definitely worth trying. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna need to dig a hole, um, you're gonna choose the right shovel. You're not gonna use a flat shovel to dig the hole. You're gonna use a pointed shovel, right? And if there's a guy that operates a tractor with a backhoe and it's a big hole, you might want to use that instead yeah. of the pointed shovel. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, 
but but the objective is to dig a hole. You right. can yep. do it with either way. Right. It's going to work out. But sometimes just more efficient, you know. Yeah, right tool for the right job. Right always. tool for the right yeah. job, right. And technology is always giving us new tools that are worth considering because they might take an old job or a current job and make it better, more efficient, make us more capable of doing it. I love it. Our conversation with Jim O'Neill was so great that we've decided to break the interview up into two parts. Join us for the second half of this interview in our next episode, where we'll hear about Jim's history with Q and hear some of his perspectives on the future of educational technology.